Welcome to Pro Se, Law 360's weekly podcast. I'm your host, Amber McKinney. This week, we all wanted to spend time with our families for Thanksgiving, but we didn't want to leave our loyal listeners without an episode of Pro Se. So we decided the best thing to do would be to take a look back at some of the offbeat legal news that we're all thankful for this year. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Bill Donahue. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay, and Alex Lawson, can you top that? Uh, hey guys, where's my musket at? I don't know. What, I don't know what we're doing. Uh. <laughs> uh, as I've been, uh, as I as I say at just about every production meeting to go full Jerry Seinfeld, it's like why don't we build the whole podcast out of the offbeat segment? <laughs> Which you and know, I think we're I think we're on our way. We here. finally come around to that line of thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also have some updates in some of these, so I'm excited to revisit some of our oldies but goodies. Yeah. Um, Bill, I know you had one you definitely want to talk about again. Well, I think it was one of our first usages of really good outside audio, the uh, the monkey selfie case. I so love monkey selfie. Let's, uh, let's go back to it. We like to end the show with something offbeat. I'm so excited to talk about this one this week. It's a bit of a ridiculous story that had the legal world buzzing about monkey selfie. What, chittering, right? Or, yes. Or, or whatever. Mon- it, ooh, ooh, ah-ing this week. <laughs> I'm glad you did the monkey sounds there instead of me. But yeah, yeah. totally. I like that we've kept it highbrow uh, um, 10 as, seconds in. As, yeah. as we yeah. should. Right. So, um, Bill, can you tell everybody what monkey selfie is if they haven't heard of this? Sure. Um so this has been sort of sadly part of my beat for a few years Sadly, now. I have assigned it to you over and over because I love it. So back in 2011, uh, a nature photographer named David Slater was in Indonesia taking pictures of macaques. And uh, one, of, one of said macaques uh, came along and uh, a curious macaque, if you will, uh, came along and took his camera and took a selfie of it. This got out there. He put it on the internet. And it became the biggest thing in the world. I mean, because it, like, it's a, we have the picture up right now in, in the booth. It's, yeah, it's a exact, staring at me. I don't actually, it's exactly I didn't what you expect decision. out of a selfie, though. It's, um, the monkey's got a big grin. He's if you haven't seen time. this, look it up, everybody. Like the one eyed jack, the one eyed macaque follows you wherever <laughs> you go. <laughs> so a couple years later, Slater puts a book out, all of his, uh, some of his photography. Monkey selfie was one of them, which I mean, that's fine, right? I mean, it was his, uh, it was it was his camera, sure. it was his photo, should be his, uh, you know, his right to put it in his book, right? Depends on how you feel about the monkey. Sounds right to me. Wrong. The monkey sued him. <laughs> uh, in 2015, uh, Naruto, the monkey, uh, filed a copyright infringement lawsuit in California federal court against Slater. Uh, Naruto's looking out for his rights. Exactly. Filed on behalf of him by the people for ethical treatment of animals. Uh, hmm. uh, a friend of a next friend of of the ape uh, was how they how they <laughs> they, they phrased it. Um, the mighty ape. And it was also a, a a scientist person, right? Yeah, like exactly. A, a yeah, primatologist. Right. So um, this was pretty clearly a, a publicity stunt to everyone who everyone in the copyright world, and it was pretty quickly dispatched by the federal judge that was hearing it. Um, sort of remarkably, PETA continued to, to uh, litigate this case and took it to the Ninth Circuit. So that's where we are now. Okay. The oral arguments were on uh, Wednesday, and it did not disappoint. So we had oral arguments. What were some of the key issues that came up? Yeah, so the judges were, um, you know, the, the lower judge was very skeptical of PETA in their case. In the, in the oh, really? He didn't buy this whole thing? <laughs> and um, uh, the that tenor sort of came through in the Ninth Circuit panel. They were uh, very quick to jump on in with follow-up questions. They asked a lot about sort of side issues about whether or not PETA still had, could still serve as the, the next friend and a few other things. But... Really, they got to this 
core issue that that and they seem to from the way that they were asking questions that they seem to sort to agree with this central premise of the lower court's ruling um, that that there is this controlling precedent that says if an animal wants to sue um, <laughs> it's hard to say if that an animal wants to do something that's not eating like what <laughs> animal wants if to an sue. animal wants his day in court yeah right <laughs> uh, rather than just in the barn um, they, the statute that they're suing under has to have an explicit authorization. It has to say this, this law allows a cause of action for an animal. For so, a beast. For, for, <laughs> so here's how the Ninth Circuit responded to that. Take that statement and I apply it to the Copyright Act. I don't have any clear direction from Congress under that act that they ever intended a an animal yeah. to have any right under the act. <laughs> so what he's saying is, it's not in there. Yeah, I'm shocked. Uh, I'm really shocked. There is no mention of of animals in the uh, the, the copyright act. So, oh, I'm glad we got that firmed up. I mean, gee. so were there any other interesting exchanges? Yeah. Uh, well, so I mean, the whole thing is must see TV. I, I implore you to go and Google the, these these. Uh, oral arguments, but um, there was one particularly interesting exchange between uh, the attorney for PETA and the panel. The attorney for PETA was arguing that the definition of authorship under the Copyright Act should be interpreted broadly, that it's this expansive um, uh, definition, obviously broad enough to incorporate animals, that animals are under are these authors that have standing to sue for copyright infringement. Animal Farm was written by a man named George Orwell, <laughs> just, just so everyone's still with me on that. Sorry, Bill, go ahead. Um, so the judge pushed back and said, well, okay, so let's look at the rest of the statute. We, If we apply the... The, there's there's a provision in the, in the Copyright Act that talks about children when it comes to passing down a copyright. If we apply the dictionary definition of children, how can that possibly include a monkey? This is how PETA's attorney responded. And spouses in the dictionary sense under uh, US 1, uh, Section 1, said that spouses uh, reflected a man and a woman in a marriage. And that has no longer a, a case that one would, would, would defend. Is there a similar holding by the Supreme Court that man and monkey are the same? <laughs> <laughs> How crazy would it have been if he'd been like, yes, Your Honor, the Supreme Court case is. <laughs> See, he messed up because the, the example the judge gave was about children. And all I would have said was like, yeah, kids are dumb and monkeys are dumb. <laughs> like, it's like, look, it's, it, this is the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah. legally speaking, children are notably dumb. So, I'm saying their, their um, brains aren't as developed. Do we right. have to split hairs on this? Right. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that was the that that was sort of the, the takeaway here. Uh, takeaway sort of exchange. There was a lot of interesting stuff. I would highly recommend that you guys and the listener go out and it's on YouTube. You Google Ninth Circuit monkey selfie arguments. It'll pop up. Um, it's the whole thing is if you, if you're into the law, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're in animals or pictures or whatever. It's got it all. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Bill. Yeah. Our old friend Naruto. I just making love waves. that one wow. so much. Good and stuff. My question to you, Bill, is how did Naruto fare after those oral arguments? You mean that macaque? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Uh, so they settled, sadly. Boo. Um, sadly for the listener. I'm, I'm pretty happy about well, it. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, they, they reached a settlement. Uh, there's been sort of a weird 
little thing. Like they reached settlement, and of course they didn't miss the opportunity to send a press release because that's what. Again, I cannot stress enough. This whole thing was a publicity stunt. Cowardly by uh, PETA not to take it through on the merits. Anyway, but so ahead. they reached a settlement with the photographer, and everybody sort of, myself included, ran these stories that said like, you know, settlement reached, yada yada yada. But it was sort of procedurally weird. They asked to um, have the appeal dismissed and the um, the lower court's ruling, the ruling that said that the monkey couldn't sue, uh, vacated by mm. the appellate mm-hmm. court. So it wasn't just we want we don't want to appeal anymore. It was we want to undo this case law that we made. So now an outside group has filed something with the Ninth Circuit asking them not to dismiss the case, um, to not just let them erase this earlier case. So... Uh, so this one's still not dead, and I can theoretically assign it to you again in the future. Yeah, this one has, uh, like... It's hanging on, not unlike the way a monkey hangs onto a branch <laughs> as it traverses the jungle canopy. Right, 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 that's it. Um, that's the that's, that's the joke to be had there. Uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, that's it. So, guys, the one I want to talk about next is our old friends Chop and Steel. Yeah. Do you guys remember them? Well, I don't because I wasn't here for that episode. Then you're going to love this, Bill. But did you do um, your homework and listen or to the ones you aren't even on, Bill? Or No. no? Okay. <laughs> well, then this will be a great treat for you. It will be a treat because <laughs> it was a good one. For the listeners, this is the one about the comedians who peered on Hello, Wisconsin. So here's a flashback to that. Today we're going to talk about a pair of comedians who – went by the fake names Chop and Steel onto a Wisconsin morning show, and now they've been sued about it. Wait, so you and Bill have been busy, huh? Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Are well, you Chop or Steel? Well, he's, I mean, there was litigation that followed this, so that's why he's not here. He's actually uh, <laughs> right, he's dealing with that. us in court. Uh, so what, what, ex- what was this? This was like some stunt that these yeah, guys pulled? Yeah, so they're the kind of guys that do this found footage thing, and that means they look at a lot of old workout DVDs, presum- mm-hmm. or VHS, yeah. presumably. Yeah. So they dressed up like you would imagine people to be 80s workout people. So they like had on, like fitness those, gurus. Yeah, fitness gurus. They, the bands. shirts literally said Chop on one and Steel on the other. They had on like the zebra stripe workout like okay. pants, that pants. Thing. And they take yeah, this to Wisconsin. Right. So they go to this morning show, Hello, Wisconsin. And <laughs> nice. they go on the show. They do a lengthy fake workout a routine. A very obviously fake yes. workout routine. Like how it fake are just, we talking? So they used things from like their yard, like sticks as workout gear. They used like gallons of juice. Nice. There was one point where Chop literally said, we like to tell people, you've got to let life bounce off of you. And then still starts throwing sticks at his back. Like, I mean, it's pretty broad. throwing okay. things at right. each other so and calling clear, it exercise. Pretty clearly fake. Yeah, you, you would imagine. But some fake news. Think. I mean, the, the station didn't see it that way, guys. The station definitely sort of put this in the context of fake news. And they said that this wasn't just a stunt. This was fraud, essentially. <laughs> um, they said the duo lied their way onto the local show and many other local TV shows uh, with, quote, a specific goal of creating fake news to promote their <laughs> website and stage shows. The f- I mean, we're going to include the, the the clip in the show notes. And I mean, there's really no justice we can do it. But like the thing that's really funny is like, these, as I say, these guys are doing like this obviously fake workout routine. Yeah. And the hosts are just so earnest and credulous about so the whole earnest. thing. Yeah, there's like, guys like lifting milk jugs, right? Well, like, like one, my favorite part, like maybe the guys can get the audio on this, but like there's one where like he's literally, one of the guys is literally sliding like like novelty wicker baskets under the other guy's foot. And he's stomping on and them. And he's stomping on them and they're counting them out one after the other. And right when he starts stomping on them, you can hear one of the hosts off to the side and she goes, 
nice. <laughs> like, she's really impressed. I don't know if they're humoring them. I really do wonder, like, if they were wise and didn't want to, like, we're trying to salvage a segment. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a, a while little... since I watched morning, like, local <laughs> it's morning TV. It's a little TV. confusing because, like, the, the <laughs> lawsuit is styled as that they misappropriated the resources of the TV station. No, I mean, And that Amber. this was a misleading appearance. It, they <laughs> have allegations of fraud. They also have a side allegation about violating a copyright because the comedy duo posted a clip of the show. Okay, and part well. Of their stuff. So there's a lot going on here. But basically, they're saying, no, we had no idea you were comedy guys. And that's a little, first, maybe a little tough to believe because to me it seems kind of <laughs> obvious yeah. here. But also they do reference on the morning show, the hosts say things like, oh, they'll be performing at so-and-so. Yeah. So they know that we're doing some kind of performance. But I think the station's arguing, oh, no, we thought this was like promoting their workout stuff. If if nothing else, this is a teachable moment for us because we are in the in the business of booking guests for interesting yeah. segments. And I think we should really be careful about like do your due diligence on those judges. Yeah, well, inviting you know get people who have like bogus law degrees. It's true. We we're gonna we, get like the the bird law guy from the, <laughs> oh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. We do get a lot of pitches for people to potentially be on the show, and yeah, here's the lesson we can learn. Uh, they were booked on this morning show after sending um, what they clearly describe as a joke press release. We get some of those too. Yeah. <laughs> or what at least we like them. I would like to think we recognize them. So part of their argument to the court to try to get this case tossed uh, out is that, and I'm going to quote this sentence here because it's just so funny. The many outlandishly and verifiably incorrect factual assertions made in the press release, as well as its humorous tone, conveyed to most persons that it should not be taken at face value. <laughs> So, yeah, that's their fancy way of saying it was all a joke and they should have known it was a joke. You know, we'll let the legal process play out. But I think it's time for Congress to get off its butt and pass the credulous morning show hosts act of 2017. <laughs> that's 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 what this is. That's what this calls. For. Yeah. Don't believe press releases that <laughs> appear to have come from the onion. Don't believe press releases. But, yeah. <laughs> so say the media professionals. <laughs> all right. All right so thanks, that'll wrap us up today. Um, thanks for being with me, Alex. Thank you. And thanks a lot for filling in today, Jody. Had a great time. And you can see that while well, he's flexing there, that if you do this at home, you, it's working all your, it's your delts, your tries, your plaps, it's all the major chest muscle groups. <laughs> you know, when we plan the shows every week, we've run into this thing where like the offbeat segment falls into a couple of different categories. Like we'll do like lawyers that do bad stuff or yep. weird stuff, or it's like the celebrity story of the week. Yep. I really like Chop and Seal because it doesn't really fit neatly into a box like that. I've never even heard of a lawsuit like that before it's, or since. It's a crazy lawsuit and I want to offer a very important update to this one. So oh, talked, I didn't know we, okay, yeah. we talked a little bit in that segment about how Chop and Seal basically said like this was a joke. That's our defense. This was a joke and you should have known it. Right. So they actually, the comedians moved for uh, partial summary judgment and also judgment as a matter of law basically on that theory. So they're trying to get rid of those fraud, conspiracy, copyright infringement claims. Um, they said in their summary judgment memo, it cannot be disputed that plaintiff's employees knew that the characters Chop and Steel were ridiculous when they arrived at yeah. WEAU. So they're just sticking with that argument. Like, this was so obvious, Station. You should have known this was a joke. I Your Honor, <laughs> under the long-standing ridiculousness doctrine, <laughs> I would like... I can't believe it's still on. I mean, I can't believe it hasn't been tossed out Well, yet. <laughs> what's funny to me, too, is the TV station's obviously just not agreeing with that argument, as you would expect in this dispute. The media is under attack. Everyone knows this. They're pointing to a slew of other fake appearances by the same comedian. So in their response to that summary judgment, 
motion, they pointed to 2010 when the defendants um, allegedly defrauded at least six TV stations by posing as Kenny K. Strauss Strasser, an <laughs> award-winning yo-yo master. Great. <laughs> then in 2014, they appeared on five other morning shows as Chef Keith Gerke, a chef who purported to be from um, like the local area for each of these various targeted stations and promoted a book called Leftovers Right, Making a Winner of Last Night's Dinner. Okay. <laughs> so they just have all these characters. And this, the TV station brought those up just to say, this sort of money quote from their filing was, by the time defendants created Chop and Steal in 2016, they knew exactly what to do, what to say, and how to say it to take advantage of local television. It's interesting that they would point at like other parody stuff they did as like a defense. I think they were for... saying that they were so good at these characters, yeah. the station couldn't have possibly <laughs> known. That's yeah. an interesting route to go. Yeah, I'm it excited is. to see how that plays out for them. Right. All right, so what do we got? Uh, what's next? So another one we wanted to talk about was slightly more recent in our canon of offbeat stories, and you really liked it, Bill. It was old meatloaf. That's what, <laughs> that's what we were talking about. Well, it fits in with Thanksgiving episode. Leftover it's, meatloaf, exactly. we might say. I don't... Sure. Perfect. Let's reheat that. We're talking today about a song I wish we weren't talking about. Bill, what do you have? We're talking about something off meat. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. This is also turning into song stealing corner. This is uh, true. two weeks in a row. It's true. We're, we're um, so we're talking about meatloaf. Uh, yeah. Not, not the hearty dish, the singer. Um, <laughs> Case there was confusion. So uh, you've, you've, probably heard, uh, you've probably heard of the song uh, I'd Do Anything for Love. It's, I mean, it's it's his, oh, I've heard of it. It's his biggest hit. Yeah. Although Paradise yeah. by the Dashboard Light also yeah. rocks. Uh, so Meatloaf, more than 24 years after the song was released, Meatloaf was sued this week by a guy who created a sort of obscure 1990 track called Anything For You, okay. who claimed that Meatloaf had stolen the song from him. The guy, guy named John Dunmore Sinclair says, Loaf, quote, <laughs> essentially copied the soul of the original work. <laughs> I love you. Um, you're such a you're such a diligent newsman. You referred to him loaf on the second ref. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Okay, so we so have so on? we have some clips here just for the listener to listen to it. And uh, so here is the meatloaf version. In case you've forgotten what it sounds like. I was hoping we let it breathe a little more. And now I we got to get out of here. I wish that but. I could forget that song. And yeah, now we have is, to talk about another uh, maybe. We're burying the lead song. of this segment. The, the lead is that Amber doesn't like that song. But, yeah. well, hate we'll, it. We'll, we'll we'll circle back to that. All right. So here's the uh, here's the purportedly infringed song. Wow. Okay, so I think, okay, I think guys, a key piece wait, of context wait, wait. here. 
as if the meatloaf song couldn't be bad enough. Then we listen to that one. Yeah. Wow. Key piece of little in-studio stuff. Our producer, Kelly, big music guy, yeah. hates that song. Just grimacing <laughs> the whole time it was, was playing. Well, thank God. It got the Kelly seal of disapproval. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple interesting things with this one. Um, I think a thing that would catch anyone's eye is that this was filed 24 years yeah. after the song. Yeah, let's Like, just basic legal thing. That's like a weird thing to bring a lawsuit mm-hmm. 24 years after you yeah. should have known about what you're suing over. But the Supreme Court ruled three years ago um, in a case dealing with Raging Bull that you can essentially do this with copyright suits, that you can bring them as long as you want later because there's this three-year rolling statute of limitations that kicks off with every new infringement. Oh, so any time it may have been played at any time. You can just sue three years backwards. So that's sort of allowed for a lot of these cases. Like we saw uh, a couple months ago uh, that U2 was sued off of a song from We're just uh, naming all the bands I don't like. (laughs) Which was released in 1991. So this is not novel, but it is part of a bigger sort of problem in in music law. Now, Bill, I went to a wedding a year ago Uh and the guy actually walked back down the aisle to I'll Do Anything for Love. I wonder if that was when the clock started for his suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably, right? This, I, think it's, I think it's named in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the latest infringement. That was the last time it was played. Yeah, this isn't on, you know, on the radio um, anymore. Yeah. So there's also a weird big law connection here that the the way that this guy claims that Meatloaf found his song was that they were both represented by this dude who worked at Prior Cashman at the time. You have to prove with a copyright suit, so you have to prove that the one person had access to the song. Yeah. So his way of doing that here is that like this guy was, you know, that he had told this plaintiff that he would shop his song around, that Meatloaf was looking oh, for songs. God. All right. So it's just this weird connection of like, we were rep by the same person. You, <laughs> you must have stolen my song. Interesting. Yeah. And now Amber's happy because the segment's over, oh, which means. Oh, thank God. But that means play us out, Loaf. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I have been tortured enough. Yeah. But thanks for being with me anyway, guys. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. And thanks, Bill. See you next week, guys. It was such a good idea to do this clip show. I thought people would really like it as they're driving home from visiting family for Thanksgiving and have these fun things. I can't believe I agreed to hear that meatloaf segment again. I hate that song so (laughs) much. All right, a couple updates on this one. Amber's opinion is still stupid and wrong. Um, <laughs> that song, the allegedly infringed song, still just Terrible. super stinks. Amber, yeah. will you at yeah. least concede that the John Dunmore Sinclair, what's his name? Yeah, I believe close. John Dunmore Sinclair, yeah. Will you, will, you, will you at least concede that the Meatloaf song is better than that, to say nothing of the legal Pretty low merits? bar. Okay. I'm just I, asking. There's almost nothing in this world that isn't better than that purportedly infringed okay. song. It's so terrible that the bar is almost, you can pick almost any song I hate, okay. and I will agree it's better than that one. Well, that's, let's, we can call it I like that's the term, that's our term of art now for that song, the purportedly infringed <laughs> song. Yeah, right. Real, really rolls off the tongue there. <laughs> All right, for the last one, we each at this table uh, sort of picked one we liked as hosts, but we also wanted our producers, Kelly and Steve, to have uh, their say on what they liked as our offbeat segment. And they unanimously selected one about lobster poaching. Yeah, our, the the trials, literal trial and tribulation uh, of our old friend, renegade lobster poacher Arnold Bengus. Let's take a listen. 
We like to end our show with something a little offbeat, and it's definitely offbeat this week. Alex, what did you bring to talk about? Okay, so, have you, well, you used to live in Crystal City in D.C. Did you ever go to Legal Seafood? Of course. This is a story about illegal seafood. <laughs> nice. Okay. That was good. That landed. Cool. Uh, thanks for telling me. That's a, that's a, that's a sure sign of something landing. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, um, okay, so what's going on here is that there is a notorious lobster poacher. His name is Arnold Bengus, and he was sentenced in. This isn't even. These aren't even the jokes yet, Bill. The, uh, he was sentenced in 2004 to four years in prison for poaching rock lobsters off the coast of South Africa. They pinched him. Yeah, they yep. pinched him. Yep. And uh, here we go. He was. Like I say, he served four years in prison, and he served that term. In the uh, cage. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, But more more significantly, he's also on the hook for, he was also on the hook for $30 million in restitution to the South African government. They're trying to claw that money back. Now, he's uh, paid some of it, and uh, but he's there's still about $21 million outstanding. So he's back in Manhattan federal court this week uh, because the government is trying to chase down the balance they're of his, what he owes. They're on his tail, right? They're on his buttered tail. Yeah. And um, basically the dispute that is arising now is that um, he claims that he has no ability to pay this money. He's like out of money. He's like uh, referring his social security checks to the mm -hmm. government to like chip away at the $21 million. But the government is still on his tail and they're saying like, no, you're, you're doing weird stuff with your overseas hedge funds and moving money around and like, you know, evading Using us. shell companies. One would say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what he's using, but I think that the the authorities would say he's being a little shellfish. Sure. Uh, sure. You know, with the with the money. Right. Um, anyway, so the the sort of newest turn of the screw here is basically just that his attorneys went into uh, went downtown in Manhattan court and were like, "Look, you gotta like ease up on my man here. He's doing. They're on a fishing expedition to get that cash back. One yep. would say. Yep. Uh, and. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that's, that's basically sort of where we're at now. They're, they're, they're saying like, this is your, you were like making an example of him in a way that's like way beyond your bounds. Mm -hmm. And like, you're using sort of like stale old disproven allegations to say like that he has the capacity to pay when he doesn't. So, um, so they want the case turned down to a low boil. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. Uh, I heard now this is apocryphal. This may be apocryphal and I don't know. I heard that they used to call him the crustacean sensation. Uh, wow. I don't know if that's... Uh, <laughs> Sounds like Bengus. If I know Bengus. Yeah, Bengus. Uh, uh, also, just uh, an, a, an item of note, uh, he had two accomplices with him, one of which was his son, which is just very funny to me. It's like an odd like family business to get into, poaching rock the lobsters. lobster off. caper there? Yeah. Uh, it's his yeah. crustacean son. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, something like that. I, <laughs> I regret nothing about that. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so now that now that we have considered the lobster, mm -hmm. uh, I think the court will be doing the same thing. Well, we're just going to have to see if it makes any legal waves uh, oh, you know, over gosh. the next couple months. I feel like we've sunk enough time into this tale. So that'll do it for this week. Thanks for bringing us the lobster story, Alex. It, it, it really was a pleasure. I mean that. That's not just a, that's not just a platitude. <laughs> and Bill, all the puns. Thanks. So long, guys. So first of all, I, I've gone through like reverse puberty somehow, which is funny. <laughs> well, you know, that is one of our earlier episodes. Yeah, that's episode seven. That's in the Wayback Machine. I would us. like to say, though, that if we're remembered for anything on this podcast, it should be that segment. I'm it should be the puns. That, segment. that was that when we segment. knew that this was a good idea. Um, and I do have... We had really cracked the code. Nice. Well, we're still... <laughs> Uh, do have an update? We're still this this lobster uh, matter is still embroiled in uh, in controversy. <laughs> in late September, the judge who was o overseeing the case 
basically did say that Bengus was on the hook for uh, $30 million in restitution to the South African government. That was bumped up from the original $21 million figure. She uh, tacked on another $9 million in interest because of what's because of all this like protracted legal uh, escapades going on. But also kind of pulling back the curtain of the way that cases like this play out. She basically also said to the to the government, good luck getting this from him because he hasn't paid up in the like almost 20 years that this has been going on. Wow. So uh, all I can do is give you a piece of paper that says he owes you $30 million. Beyond that, it's basically your problem. So he's like, he's like 80 years old now. And uh, I, I believe he's like, just, he's not even in the court anymore. He's like, hiding out in Israel just doesn't care yeah. about this. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't speak for him, but he doesn't seem to be too, too engaged with it. We'll see. We'll see how they go. Well, thanks for being with me today, guys, while we caught up on all of our fun ones from this year. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. See you next Thanksgiving. I want to give a special thanks to our producers this week, Kelly Marcano and Stephen Trader. And join us again next week when we'll go back to covering all the latest legal news. Thanks. <laughs>